Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, welcome to the program. Happy Friday, Dr. Paul. Great to be with you. Well, very good. Uh, guess what? Well, we're going to talk about war and economics. Mm. Seems like there's a few problems uh, in both areas, except maybe they're related. <laughs> you know, economic policy has a lot to do with going to war and fighting war, and wars have a lot to do with uh, a fear interfering with sound economic policy. So we do want to talk about that and specifically talk about how some of this has affected not only all wars, but the one that's going on because wars have to be paid for and that's an economic issue and there's always winners and losers, mostly losers, but the instigators are generally the winners and I'm referring to the military industrial complex. They, they do pretty well, and the people who have to pay are the victims of the inflation that's created and also who have to fight the wars, and that, of course, are the poor people that don't have a powerful lobbying arm in Washington like the military-industrial complex goes. So it, um, it is a major problem, and the people are, of course, very concerned about it because it never seems to end, and we're in the middle of uh, this uh, terrible result of the NATO-type policy that we have in Ukraine. And there's a lot of projection of what's, uh, what's going to uh, come of this. But anyway, it's, it's a mess. Uh, people are you know, talking, how far will the Russians go? Or are they gonna take over Kiev? Are they gonna take over all, the, all of Europe? Are they gonna take over all the world? And so there's a lot of speculation. The one thing, Chris, that we've mentioned already in trying to sort all this out is the uh, refusal to recognize and talk about, you know, some of the mistakes that NATO might have made. You know, NATO, they sort of paint them as, you know, the perfect arbitrators. But that's, that is not the case if, if you look at it as we do it, uh, everything, everything going on. But uh, it... Uh, it precipitates, you know, it starts with problems, but they always expand. And uh, we're talking about the consequence of, uh, of, of wars, uh, at least when they're uh, foolishly started. But uh, a lot of them are intended, but a lot of the consequences are unintended consequences uh, of war. And I think that's what's going on now. But when I started making my list, Chris, uh, I had a long list. So we could, <laughs> probably can't go over all the all the. Th consequences that we find related you know to the war and the false uh, promises and policies that led up to the war there's always a rehash as later uh, people go over this and say well why did we do this why did we do that they've already started it but right now the main thing in washington is get more money you know <laughs> and make sure it's bipartisan so uh, Adam Schiff, uh, who's uh, chairman of the uh, uh, the major committee dealing with the foreign policy, and uh, he he says that we should uh, you know send send some more money. So the uh, person in charge of uh, the uh, the funding of this, Coons, says, well you know uh, they they're proposing and talking about ten billion dollars to help clean up the mess. They're already talking about how to help clean up the mess. And, but the chairman of the financial committee said, no, 10 billion won't do it. Because uh, let me tell you how ridiculous this is. Because he says uh, the Friday morning that any supplemental funding bill would likely exceed $10 billion, the majority of which would go toward 
humanitarian aid to address the impending refugee crisis in Europe. You know, I keep thinking, don't we have a refugee problem already in this country? Aren't we flat out broke? And uh, who, who believes the government? And they say, well, we're in this for humanitarian reasons. That's why we went to Iraq and Afghanistan uh, for humanitarian reasons. And uh, the saying goes, as soon as somebody comes and talks about humanitarian <coughs> efforts, you better, you better run and hide because they're after either your life or your money or both. And uh, that's, that's a consequence of war that seems to be uh, universal. Basically, in the big picture that I see, I, I, I think there's a problem with the human race because the wars have been going on for a long time, and it's been predicted that they're going to last a long time. But I think from the beginning of time, it's been recognized that uh, there is a higher law, a law that really recognizes truth and honesty, war, uh, war and separates the war and peace, and they can sort it out of what is right and wrong. And uh, on the other side of that are the people who outrightly refuse to believe there is a higher law, and they become the militant dictators, and they're the ones who philosophically aren't bothered by the killing. Uh, they're bothered only if they didn't get a lot, of, a, a lot of benefits from it. So that contest is going on, and I can see that in this operation. There are people, you know, when I was in Congress and all those Middle Eastern wars going on, and a lot of suffering and, and dying, uh, the remorse of the people who were gung-ho over that war, and especially the leadership in our country, uh, there, was, there was no remorse about it. There was no guilt feeling. They, they had no, no sense of guilt that something was wrong. And I think that's the basic problem. And then all of a sudden, if you don't have a basic principle, if you don't have a higher law, you don't even know what you strive for. And the people who are on the other side, they why do it. There is no such thing as truth. Don't even look for it. So we can do whatever we want. And I guess the Federal Reserve <laughs> sort of must fit into that category. Although most people would say, what are you talking about? No, they don't care if people suffer. And, uh, and, and, and they, don't ha they really don't have a conscience. So, so anyway, uh, Chris, uh, I, I know you've looked at this issue a bit, and uh, I'm sure you're filled with a lot of ideas and a lot of problems that we can see, but uh, why don't you let us know what you've been thinking about? That's right, Dr. Paul. And uh, as you all know, the first casualty in war is the truth. And boy, you know, we just went through two solid years of COVID lies. Now we're transitioning back to war lies. And you know we're talking about the economic aspects of it, and it's very not—it's not very hard to see. I mean, look over the last two years. Look at big pharma, how they raked in billions and billions of dollars, uh, you know, with government force. And we're just switching back now to the kings of cronyism, and that's the military contractors. They already, you know, take us for almost a trillion dollars a year, just you know, as a matter of course. One could imagine that a trillion is not going to be enough to do whatever they think they need to do. And all of this cronyism, it destroys productive economic activity. All these resources are allocated to these things uh, versus the things that we actually would want in a market economy. And there's tremendous waste. You know, the military waste is legendary in the military. But we also saw with what we just went through, the vaccine waste. Governments spent our tax money buying all of these vaccines and now the vaccines are collecting dust you know because people don't need them and they don't want them 
but the big pharma got paid. So if they collect dust and go in the trash, our money went to them nevertheless. So it, this is the system we live in. And they just go back and forth, whether it's Wall Street or the military or big pharma. They just take turns in ripping us off. They're different actors and they just get their couple of years in and, and, and they're off. You know, and the only way to stop this, it's very hard for most people, is to stop believing them. But they're very, very good at scaring you into believing them. So, you know, but look at how COVID ended. When did it stop? And people, they just don't believe it anymore. So, but again, at the very least, for you and your family, just stop believing what the cronies and the media and the government are putting in your face every single day. Chris, you mentioned something which is very important because it, uh, it leads us to war, it perpetuates the war, it deceives the people, and that is the issue of lying. And it's, it's essentially required to get the people, uh, you know, uh, willing to sacrifice so much to go to war. And statistically, uh, the uh, issues that I've dealt with in the last 20 years, generally speaking, the wars that we got into, if you took a pull at the beginning, the people were against it. Then the propagandists came in and they worked real hard and changed the opinion of the people. Then the people, oh, we're going to get bombed and we have to do this. So they changed their mind. And then later on, you know, uh, the people uh, recognize it and uh, it reverts back to why did we ever do this? And of course, uh, our goal at, uh, at our institute is to try to get people to prevent this stuff. Why go through that process of listening to the demagogues? And you've already mentioned a big one perpetuator of this whole thing is the military industrial complex to try to scare everybody. But they, they do something else, whether, and I think it is important, and, uh, and, and, and Chris, you've alluded to it, that there's a, been a war against COVID too. So there's some, many of the principles are exactly the same. I mean, they, they're fought differently, uh, uh, somewhat differently, but they also uh, recognize the same principles of why people go along with it. Didn't people have to get frightened to death in order to roll over and say, please give me more shots. Oh, how many do I need? How many masks do I need? How far do I have to separate myself? And uh, people uh, didn't like it. Then they got talked into it. Then they got to hating people who, who wouldn't follow the rules. And it goes on and on. But one thing is characteristic of both, whether it's COVID or fighting another Saddam Hussein, you know, he was coming here to bomb us that if you don't go along with it if you don't support the troops you know and that supporting the troops means you're supporting the military industrial complex's ability to make a lot of profits building more weapons for for the troops so if you don't if you don't support the troops and you don't support the doctors who have been coerced and pressured and the scientists who say oh you got to have all these shots uh, and, and then finally they start to change, change their mind. But what do they say? This is so bad that they have to cancel out freedom of speech. And they tell people that if you do this, you're, you're getting involved in prison. You're killing people. And good people who took a different position on COVID or on foreign policy, they say, you're going to just allow uh, you know, uh, Americans to be killed. 
And uh, since I took this position in the Congress, frequently there were some pretty strong attacks saying that, oh, you, you don't dare, you don't care. The, the one thing that helped me a little bit in the military to make my case is I, generally speaking, most of all the members we were talking to never were in, they, they were never in the military. And it just happened that I had been in the military. And, uh, and, they, and they don't like to put down people who had served in the military, serving their interests. But the one thing is, is they will lie to get into war and they will lie to keep us in there. And uh, the old saying is, uh, uh, you know, lying is treason and an empire lies. And we, even if you don't have what somebody identifies as a war, uh, the empire is still pretty important to maintain because it's a war against the people. Chris. Right, Dr. Paul. And you and uh, Daniel, I remember it was probably just a few weeks ago we did a show, the COVID Berlin Wall is crashing down. Yeah. And it really has. You know, the mandates have been lifted. Uh, the passports, the cities are ditching the passports. I see stadiums are ditching passports. So we could all finally go back to normal lives again, right? Uh, not so fast. Look at the war that just popped up out of nowhere. And, and right away, tra they're transitioning to a war <laughs> mentality. We're starting to hear from multiple places, sacrifices are going to have to be made. There's some kind of fight on the other side of the planet. And we, here in America, are going to have to sacrifice. We just went through two years of COVID tyranny, where freedom was taken away from us like never before. People were losing their jobs, locked in their homes. Uh, they were losing their jobs from lockdowns, from refusing to get a product from a big pharma corporation, and we're now being asked to make sacrifices when that's all, you know, at least for the time being done. I mean, have you noticed that government never has to sacrifice ever anything? And, you know, this is, this is how upside down it is. Our economy will never turn around unless these roles are reversed. It is government that has to sacrifice. It is government that has to ta have their powers taken away, not our freedoms. And you know, when that reverses someday, hopefully we're alive to see it, our fortunes will re uh, reverse yeah. along with it. Yeah, I, I think that's a very important issue that you bring up about the sacrifice. Because I've taken a very firm position on that, and it was well received uh, with the young people I visited with in the college campuses. And my statement was flat out, you don't need to ever sacrifice uh, liberty, uh, your liberty, for somebody else. It doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and that was well received because that doesn't create liberty when you sacrifice your liberty. But uh, uh, we, we need that message, and I think it's so important. But the one, one thing about uh, war, especially the kind of wars that we see all the weapons used and so, so much uh, destruction, there's always psychological destruction and, and liberty denied people. But th thinking about uh, the wars that uh, the 20th century was engaged in, is including the, the Middle East wars, a lot of destruction, a lot of destruction goes on. And in the course of the destruction of wealth, uh, there is also the redistribution of wealth. And uh, the two of that is, is a source of problems that last for a long, long time. Uh, you just think of how our country had to suffer decades uh, in the reconstruction area of all, this, of, all, of all the penalties paid for a war that need not have been fought. 
you know, mm. which is also right now people still say, you can't say that. You can't say that. That, that was to stop slavery. That's why we had a, a civil war. They always have remained in denial that maybe there was an economic issue where the North was competing with the South. So uh, that is that, that is something that goes on and on. So you're a very bad person if you don't agree with the authoritarians who are making a lot of money on it. And the one other thing on these hot wars, you have to uh, be very, very much aware of the fact that who are the people who die are the are eventually maybe the really bad planners and they could uh, maybe point out that some of the nazi leaders finally had their due you know at the end of world war ii but you know how many people have to die innocently how many people how many innocent people civilians died at the hands of american bombs whether somebody dropped the bombs for us or we dropped them themselves in all those middle eastern wars it wasn't like a hundred or a thousand and and the displacements and all the this people died from that so that should be enough to say boy we should be more cautious as getting in because sometimes people say you know even after even after a 20-year war People say, well, who won? Who won? Uh, people be hard-pressed to say, oh, we won. We were, we were fighting those Afghanis, and, and we won the war. Oh, sure, nobody believes that. And, uh, and, and the wars, there are no real victors. Victory, uh, victors, the people who suffer and die and lose, uh, uh, and, and lose their wealth, it's just so numerous, but that is generally what happens. But if you're looking at age groups, you know, it's uh, it's mostly the young people. You know, young people. I'm I'm thinking the people who get drafted or coerced or badgered into paying their patriotic duty to going into war. Uh, they they're the ones who so often. Uh, you know, are killed in the front line or suffer. The people who never get measured in their suffering, uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Just think how much of that happened. How many families get broken up that you never even hear about when people go over and their uh, the, uh, husband or father comes back and has lost one, two, three limbs? Uh, I mean, it, and that suffering goes on and on and on and they, they really are ignored or highly praised for people who think, uh, who are trying to get something off their conscience because I think deep down inside they know that so much of that carnage was not necessary. And I think there's, the people who suffer are never the ones who uh, really started the war. I always, I always poke fun at that whole thing. You know, if, if two countries get together uh, and say the young people of our country and the young people of another country get together and they're between 18 and 24 at the draft age and they get together and the young people say, hey, you know, don't you think our generation deserve a war too? Don't you think we should have a war? And they go out and start fighting and cause a war. You know, that's so ridiculous. But that's essentially what happens because the young people are sent to fight the wars and they suffer the consequences. And then they sow the seeds of the next war, like the first war, World War, so to see for the second war, because there's so much maldistribution of wealth uh, through the damage done to property as well as the damage done to the monetary system. And then all of a sudden there are new victims. And believe me, that type of victimhood does not do anything for the benefits of liberty. Very good, Dr. Paul. I'm going to close up now uh, by repeating something that we tend to repeat often, but you know, it's so important. Uh, so our regular viewers will know this, but new viewers, it may be the first time they hear it. 
And that is, you know, when you see the inflation, the shortages, the messed up economy, you have to keep your eye on the ball. The source of this is the Federal Reserve. Yet there's always, always, always another excuse to keep people looking away. Never look at the Fed. You know, it was over the last several years, it was COVID. Ah, oh, COVID is causing inflation and all these shortages and this and that. And now, amazingly, and I don't know who on earth believes this, they're trying to uh, say that Ukraine is the source of our economic ills. It is not. It's the Federal Reserve. They are the unconstitutional institution that was created to counterfeit money, which no one should ever be allowed to do. And thus, they create economic bubbles and busts. They fund all the government expansion. Government can just have the money handed to them by the Fed. Uh, so it's no surprise that you're never supposed to look at the Fed because they are the nucleus of this whole system that Dr. Paul and I have talked about today. You put an end to the Fed, you put an end to this whole scheme. So that's why they do not want you ever looking at it. They're anything and everything, even Ukraine, will be, you'll be told to blame it on Ukraine uh, for your economic ills. We're gonna stick with the truth and say, keep your eye on the ball, it is the Federal Reserve. They need to someday be ended, and then these uh, economic problems that we're so used to living with will be ended as well. Very good, uh, Chris. And uh, I want to bring up that subject that I opened the program with is the $10 billion that uh, they're assuming and nobody's going to oppose it and they'll pass, uh, they'll get that passed and they'll spend the $10 billion, uh, which they don't have. You know, <laughs> where's it going to come from? It, it, oh, they're going to borrow it. No, a lot of many people like borrowing money to us. Now we're $30 trillion in debt. That's a bad risk thing. And so who buys it up? The people who want the money, they print their own money in collaboration. The Fed prints the money for the uh, planners of war. So that $10 billion, it doesn't even need, they'll go through the ritual of saying the people speak out and we get the support from the politicians and we're going to get the $10 billion. But just think of for every $10 billion <clears throat> that they appropriate in the open, there's probably $100 billion of shenanigans going on through that Federal Reserve System that uh, Chris was talking about. Because they can handle that by sending money to certain governments and, and certain corporations. And, and that's why this thing, this bubble, this financial bubble is so big but uh, it's coming apart, and that's what we have to prepare for. And it ends up the wars against the American people, our war, all our war efforts is against the people, and certainly I, I claim that the young people are suffering more than anybody else. And uh, yet it's used to, to promote and prepare for the next war. You know, I, I just think that uh, the answer to this is, is not difficult. Um, they make it complicated for a purpose, and they change people's mind by propaganda, and they hide the, the bad stuff of uh, war profiteering and political profiteering, and all these things are hidden because it's couched in, uh, you know, humanitarian terms and nationalism. You know, if, if you're not a good patriot, Remember when after 9-11, uh, anybody who voted against the Patriot Act, they weren't patriotic. It's probably the most unpatriotic thing you could have ever gotten a congressman to do on a local, you know, a, a matter within our state is the Patri Patriot Act. But no, no, it's always couched in those terms. It's a really 
Chris, I think what we're talking about is sorting out the truth and getting people to open up their minds to it and say, maybe we ought to listen to something else and not wait until the next war has to be fought and until this, the one that's going on ends badly. Just think how long it went on in the first decade of this century. I mean, it was constant wars in the Middle East, and they're still going on. Matter of fact, uh, what, what's happening now is, uh, you know, a continuation of all, all this activity. And they still resort to international organizations that will compensate for the inefficiencies of individual and nationalistic governments. That's why we have the UN to stop all wars. And that's why we have NATO. NATO will take care of us. We'll stop those communists. And then the, the, the communist menace disappears, but we still have to talk about it. So we have to find a new enemy and we'll just change the looks of the next one is the enemy that we have to fight. There always has to be an enemy. People should wake up. The enemy so often is staring us in the face and we don't have the authority or the power to change everybody in all the different countries and change their political system. But we do have a personal responsibility of dealing with our own country and trying to bring about common sense. And some, when I would give a talk like that on college campuses, people would raise, what do we do? What do we have to do? How do we start? How do we solve this problem? I says, why don't we start by a new generation saying, they read the Constitution, and we're not supposed to be doing that stuff. <laughs> we're going to tell the truth and do what we tell you we're going to do. But that was so strange. Well, you mean... We wouldn't have a Federal Reserve? Right. Would we have an interventionist foreign policy? No. Would we have thousands and thousands of pages of regulations that nobody <laughs> could comprehend? No, we'd burn all those. I mean, we wouldn't need them. But we'd have to have a belief in truth. We would have to understand what a higher law means and morality means. We'd have to understand that some people drift because this contest always goes on. Some people drift into what we see with the total authoritarians because they become nihilist. They claim, you guys are wasting your time. All this picking, there's no way you can find the truth. Yeah, there's probably very difficult for anybody to come up and say, I have the positive truth, the absolute positive truth. No, I think it's going to be a continuous process seeking the truth. And a lot of people understand that. And, you know, what do you have to do? How am I going to do that? Just promise that you will never use force against people, against your neighbor, friends, or family, and that governments can't do it either. It wouldn't be any more complicated than that. And if you have an agreement, if you have a contract with somebody, follow through with it. Do what you say. And, and, and recognize the position that property belongs to the people, not to the political thugs that get control of it. Because they control it, whether the title's in your name or not. They have total control of it by scaremongering and, and uh, through inflationism and all the tactics. So it, it is there. But the principles of liberty are not complicated. And uh, somebody will say, well, you mean you'd have to watch spending and you couldn't just print the money when you That's right. That's right. Because that's theft. It's counterfeit. It's immoral. It's not part of the higher law. And don't do it. And, uh, and most but the best part about this, and people say, oh, I don't know if I can handle all that. The best <laughs> part is, guess what? 
Whatever you do and earn, it's yours, and the government can't take it away from it. You don't have to deal with the IRS as long as you follow the rules and the people understand what property rights are. Believe me, it will work very well, and people will be much better off. The freer a society, the wealthier a society is. Right now, and I've written about this quite a bit over the last few years, we're getting poorer and I think this last month or two is confirming the fact that we are getting poorer and it won't be the creation of a new fiat currency or, or any of these things or everybody buying a gold coin. So we have to understand what the principles of liberty are all about. And uh, I think that effort is alive and well. I, I really do. I, I made a lot of people. I think there are good, uh, good groups now uh, looking at this. So I, I don't think it's a dead end street because the one reason is, is we don't have a lot of other options. I mean, mm -hmm. we're not going to put a, get a bunch of people together with bombs and, and guns and go over there and, and, and settle all the disputes around the world. The best we can do is believe in a principle of liberty and the principles of, uh, of honesty and set a standard, whether it's a standard for your, for your family, your kids, your neighbors, but as a country, set a standard. And one time we were on our way to doing that. Right now, I don't think it's a shame and I'm sad about the fact that we can't say, well, if everybody would look at the standards that we provide, uh, it would be a wonderful world. And we still hear this. The politicians still say that we are the champions of liberty. Just do like us. And I said, oh, that hurts my head when they say that. <laughs> so, but, but anyway, and uh, I, 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 I really do come down to the side of, uh, of optimism that a lot of people would like that free society that we talk about here on the Liberty Report. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.